You're listening to Radio ISO, the podcast bringing you notes from isolation and stories about the people we're missing. I'm your host, Emily Sargent. Today I spoke to Epiphany Jordan, an expert in human touch about how social distancing may affect us in the short and long term and about missing seeing her own mother. You know, I actually feel pretty good. I have lived alone for most of the last 20 years, and um, my house isn't huge, but it's comfortable, and um, I'm a bit of an introvert anyways, so I'm I'm used to spending a lot of time alone, and mm-hmm. um, we've actually, uh, we've been less restrictive here. I live in Austin, Texas, and we've been a lot less restrictive about outdoor stuff so mm-hmm. I go for so you know distanced walks with people all the time and um, it's been really saving my sanity I, I have a small yard mm-hmm. small front yard so I'm, ta- I'm talking to my neighbors over the fence and stuff too so yeah. it's it's nice yeah has it either made you realize anything about yourself that you didn't know or do you think that it's had any lasting impact on you I think it will absolutely have a a lasting impact on me. Uh, I'd say probably the one thing that, it wasn't a realization, but it's kind of made me want to move my schedule up as I've been thinking for a while that I want to move back to the West Coast so I can be closer to my family. And Mm -hmm. now instead of looking at that five years down the road, I'm like, yeah, let's look at that in the next year or so. Yeah. So we'll see. I really like the idea that, you know, that this is giving us all a chance to really stop and and look at our values and and figure out what's really important to us. Mm. Um, And family is definitely one one of them. I've I'm hoping we can you know kind of keep some of the quiet I mean like it's it's interesting like Austin has horrible horrible car traffic you know it's like the the freeway through downtown is like always like a parking lot and it's been really nice to be able to to drive on it and you know zip along at Mm. 60 miles an hour and it's like now that there's starting to be like a little bit more start and stop traffic and it's like damn it (laughs) I think it's going to be one of those things where everybody kind of has to take more of a risk management approach a risk assessment as opposed to to being really strict just because human beings are are not perfect and we're social animals you know it's like we need other people to survive yeah and it's been that way for a long long time i mean for most of human history for all of human history one of my very strong memories I think from this period is going to be that the last time we ever went to a pub on a Friday night and it was oh, well, um, yeah. around the time that we well it was the first and last night I've ever been in a pub where I wasn't allowed to hug friends and to not be able to do that that night and to sort of awkwardly do the elbow bump that we were doing at the time I felt I felt this real yeah. grief and I think that if it was so it was so funny because I had such a different reaction to my partner and it was something I'd never known about her but she came away and said oh it was actually a bit of a relief not to have to hug people that I'm not that close to just out of 
it's what we normally do and whereas for me I felt devastated by it and I came away feeling really tearful which probably was an overreaction but I was so interested to talk to you and to so I should say you're an expert in human touch and you study it and I wanted to understand what exactly we're losing in not having that right now and whether that may have any lasting effects on us yeah yeah I think it will absolutely have lasting effects on us I mean you know as I was saying before it's like we've always had to keep other humans close to us in order to survive I mean if you were um, you know I mean if you want to go way way back evolutionarily if you were a caveman I mean if you were out on your own you were probably going to die you needed to have your tribe next to you and even up to about a hundred years ago if you lived in a cold climate you know like people would all be sleeping in the same bed at night because if you didn't you were in danger of freezing to death mm. so you know it's a very you know it's it's very hardwired into our biology I mean this is how we take care of our human young we uh, we hold them you know children will not thrive without human touch it, it the first 18 to 24 months we um you're forming all these neural pathways and uh touches something that helps um, infants learn how to uh, regulate their emotions and how to form bonds and um you know it's it's got loads and loads of, of health benefits that we're now missing out on but i mean if you if you look at people who are physically isolated for a long time like they have they have a hard time relating to other people it makes you more uh what's the word i want it makes you more suspicious of of other people mm. um i i don't know like one of the things that that i've been looking into and studying is the connection between loneliness and human touch and i'm like why are scientists not looking at this i mean it feels so obvious to me you know it's like the the negative uh, uh, health outcomes of loneliness correspond perfectly with the positive health benefits of touch. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, I think that it's going to be it's going to be really hard for us to come back together and to be able to trust that. I mean, even if we do get a vaccine and we're able to move more amongst each other and be physically closer, I think that it's going to take a while for people to stop being suspicious and stop being so isolated and to be able to trust each other again. It's going to have to be, um, you know, people are going to have to think about integrating back into it very carefully some people will you know some some people are just going to be like going around and hugging everybody you know it'll be yeah they've 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 talked a lot about you know the roaring 20s happened right after the 1918 uh flu pandemic mm -hmm. the the influenza pandemic um and um you know people people went completely wild and you know did a 180 and you know we're dancing in the streets and stuff so maybe it'll be something like that but i think for a lot of people it's going to be really difficult to um to consider connecting and touching with people in that way again yeah and i can imagine there may be a hesitation where there wasn't before 
I mean, I think it probably depends on the person. And to be honest, I think that it's probably a good idea for us to be more thoughtful and aware around touch. I mean, your story about the pub and Kaylee having this very, very different reaction of, oh, I don't like hugging these people. Mm. There's a lot of people out there like that. And, you know, it's it's so funny. It's like it, it, we have you know or we did before all this started you know it was like we had too much unwanted touch and then too many people who were hungry for touch you know there was this this real um dichotomy there you know it's it's always a good idea to be um cautious and thoughtful around touch and you know to to navigate that carefully and you know to pay attention to the fact that nobody not everybody has the same desire and level of trust as as you do you know i think i think that it it's it's a good um time and a good way for us to to take this and and really rethink you know who we touch why we touch when we touch um, you know, I mean, I have friends who are like, oh, my God, I'm so happy that I never have to shake another person's hand again because I think handshakes are horrible. Yeah. In this strange uh, renegotiation of the way that we interact with each other, which I think was really necessary. And this, you know, every, all the idea around consent and and mm-hmm. people throwing their hands up in the air and saying, well, I don't know what I'm allowed to do anymore. Um, and it's like, well, you know, let's have a conversation about it then. It, right. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be that uh, you feel that you've been denied something, and I mean that's a whole other thing. But I think it's you're right. It's it's so interesting that the two extremes have come off the back of one another. You mentioned health benefits. I wonder whether you might be able to tell me more about that. I mean, I I think we should be looking at touch as something that's about health and wellness. Um, some of the benefits that it has is um, it reduces inflammation. It uh, helps your it counteracts the effects of um, cortisol in your heart, the which is the stress hormone. Um, it's a pain reliever. It um, it helps just relax your body and your sympathetic nervous system. It helps you sleep better. Um, it reduces your blood pressure. It, uh, it actually boosts your immune system. Um, they've found that it counteracts the effects of alcohol. Um, there have been studies, well, some, some of this is touch and some of it is oxytocin, which is the chemical that's produced when you touch people. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, on a, on a more psychological level, it can uh, just help you with anxiety and depression. It helps people to just to feel seen and feel like they belong. You know, the, the need to belong is, is a very, very powerful desire. Mm. in the world you know in in humans you know it's like we want to we want to be part of something we want to know that we matter and that we're important um one of the things that they've found about touch is that it's affective which means that it conveys emotions there was a study done where uh, a second of touch people could tell what the emotion of the person that they were trying to convey you know that it conveys comfort or mm. you know some touch conveys anger or calmness or or whatever i'm just, i'm really interested by that idea of of how quickly it can convey 
another person's intent or emotion and I wonder whether in that sense it may give us something quite different to verbal affirmation or comfort from a friend or a partner. It does. I mean, you know, it, it's like there's there's a lot of situations where where words aren't really um, strong enough or that, that, that they don't do the right thing, you know, or that you might say something wrong or, you know, I mean, I, I think in general, it's, it's very difficult for people to just kind of, um, to, to sit in a place of compassion and empathy and, and witness another person. And when you're touching them, it's a lot easier to do that because, you know, you don't, you know, I, I mean, to me, it's like, a, a hug is so much better than, I'm really sorry that you're going through this, mm. you know, it's like, th this is, this is where our bodies learn to feel safe. I mean, when you were, well, for most infants, not all of them, but you know, if an infant is crying, you know, and it's like, it's parent, mother or father picks them up and holds them, you know, then your body goes, Oh, I'm, I'm safe. I'm cared for. There's somebody else here who's paying attention to what I need. You know, I mean, it's, it is that, hardwired into our biology yeah and I, I suppose this has really highlighted for me what how much of my relationship with friends if I'm spending time with them would be non-verbal as well it would be a common thing to be sat next to a friend and for them to put a hand on my knee or on my shoulder or there's all those tiny gestures it's it's actually really interesting to hear you talk about that you know there's this very um famous uh, study uh, Sidney Gerard did in maybe the late 60s where he went to different countries and went into cafes and observed how many times people touched each other mm. and um, the Great Britain was definitely one of the lower touch um... <laughs> I obviously live with my partner but I still am feeling like I'm missing the idea of hugging a friend and so I wondered whether we might get different things from different people yeah I mean context is so important with touch and uh, what you're talking about right here is something that we as a culture don't really talk about which is that we expect our partners to fulfill all these needs for us and I think that part of what you're talking about is just this this need to belong this need to be in a tribe you know it's like we we're not humans have never lived like this in an in an isolated way I mean this is this is all pretty new I mean mm. my my father grew up in a two-room house in South Africa with 12 people <laughs> you know it's like I mean it's we the, this is this is a very unprecedented thing where we have so much of our population living on our own and I mean even in you know a hundred years ago it's like you might have been part of a couple um, but you would have been surrounded by your extended family your children your grandchildren you know maybe your brothers and sisters and their families would live next door I mean this is you know we're, we're used to having you know the social and physical support of you know our families and and our our tribe members around us you know I mean that's 
you know this is this is not this is not a, a natural way for people to live you know and of course we there are lots of things that we don't ways that we don't live naturally but um this is a big one for sure and do you think we would be happier on average if we went back to living in those kind of communities i think we would i mean there's there's so much stuff that we do that um, becomes a lot more onerous and mechanical and feels very maintenance-like when you don't do it with other people. I mean, like, I don't, I don't dislike cooking, but, you know, cooking for myself every day, day in, day out, is not nearly as fun as, you know, when I go to group campouts with my friends and you know there's 10 of us in the kitchen making a meal for 100 people you know it's mm-hmm. like that's fun it becomes it becomes a social activity like my ideal would be to live in a small house on a property where there were you know maybe 10 other people who lived singly or in couples in their own small houses and then we had one big house with a a big kitchen and a big living room and you know space to make art and you know uh, workstations and you know space for yoga or music or whatever and then you know you could get the best of both worlds so I mean I think yeah I think I think we would be happier if we had to you know be less dependent on ourselves or our our small family units for pretty much everything what i was going to ask was whether there was either a group of people or a particular person who was on your mind a lot at the moment and who you were missing yeah i uh, i was tossing up between three of them but i'm gonna have to go with my mother mm-hmm. um just because we've had the longest relationship you know and I, I i know a lot of people who don't have good relationships with their parents and i'm like my, my mother's amazing um and um i mean i've lived here I've lived in Texas for 20 years now, and we, we see each other on a fairly regular basis. I mean, I get home three or four times a year. I was probably going a lot more when um, when my father was sick the couple of years before he died. I was going every couple months. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we, we I just, I, I really, really miss her. And um, <laughs> I've been having to lecture her. She's like, my friend came over for dinner. And I'm like, mother, no, only outside. <laughs> I'm like, I'm fine with you guys having dinner outside. She has to bring all of her own dishes. And, you know, I'm like, you can cook food for her. But, you know, she, you know. Uh, she's she's been not quite as uh, on top of it. I'm just I'm I'm really missing her. Um, and I was trying to figure out how to go see her this summer, and I just I don't know if it's going to happen. I I don't know. But um, I mean, she's used to she travels a lot too. I mean, uh, my parents were were world travelers for you know they're they're both first uh, they're actually both immigrants my grandparents immigrated to the states with her um, in 1950 I think and then in the mid 70s they went back to Vienna where they lived until they died actually before all this went down she was talking about traveling to New York and staying with a friend of hers who's in her mid 90s who's been having problems and she's like I'm gonna go help her and obviously that hasn't happened but what's the element of your relationship with her that you're kind of craving the most 
I mean, it's it's so it's so mundane. I mean, well, she she loves word games, so she's got a word game on her tablet, and we'll just sit next to each other on the couch, and I'll be like leaning into her, and so you know, it's just it's just being close to her, and you know, being able to help her. I wanna I want to be around her. I want to be close to closer to her as she ages, and mm-hmm. um, you know, to be able to be able to take care of her more and and see her more often. Yeah. It's it's pretty early on into this, you know, who knows what's going to happen in the next couple of years. And, and when you think of that moment when you were able to sit with her, how do you think that will make you feel? Um, it'll make me feel safe and loved. I mean, my mother has been accepting of me through a lot of really crazy experiences and bad decisions and things like that so um you know I just you know she's she's my mother you know she she's taken care of me in many ways for many years and um I I really enjoy her company I love talking to her and uh you know we have we have a very playful sarcastic relationship you know we kind of throw barbs at each other and you know in a in a pretty loving fashion you know we've been doing it for years she was a college professor of child psychology she's written many many textbooks and ran her university's preschool she's um an incredible cook she is a knitting machine if you want a hat she will like whip it out for you in about a day and she's she's both like pretty conservative and you know kind of steady and you know her like she she lived in the same house for almost 50 years and you know she's very um stable but at the same time she's still very very open-minded I mean there's a there's a like you know like she's way more conservative than me um you know like there have been times when I've tried to like I'm like hey mom you should like you know if your your elbow's hurting you should try CBD salve or something and she's like no I don't want any of that (laughs) you know but at the same time she's she's very accepting of me and my crazy life that I've had over the years so um Mm. she's very she's a very um caring person um, I definitely get some of my traits of looking at the bigger picture mm. from her yeah. she sounds amazing she she is really amazing um, like I said I'm I feel very very lucky that I've had such a, a good mom like to tell us about someone you're missing we'd love to hear from you get in touch at radioisopodcast at gmail.com or on instagram at radioisopod.com